Welcome back to Office Chats, a podcast presented by Madam Blue. I'm your host, Valeria, and today's guest is Ceci Serrato, the founder of Ceci C Communications, a public relations and social media marketing agency specializing in lifestyle, beauty, travel, and hospitality. Ceci has a record of delivering high-profile public relations results for top brands, including Visit Mexico, Bacardi, and Lights Lacquer. In this episode, Ceci chats about getting her start in the PR industry and what led her to create her own agency, tips for building and maintaining relationships with freelancers, how she helps clients develop successful campaigns and navigate negative publicity, plus her advice for succeeding as a solo entrepreneur. Let's get into the show. Ceci, thank you for joining me on the podcast today. I'd love to get started by having you tell us a little bit about your career background. So career background, I actually went to school. I went to the University of Florida. I am a born and raised Miami girl. I'm very proud. I went to the University of Florida and I originally studied broadcast journalism because that was my true passion. And usually right out of college, if you try to go work for a local TV station, you will have to go work at a smaller market. And when I say smaller markets, like smaller cities, I did work as a news reporter in Gainesville. It wasn't enjoyable, I'm not gonna lie. (laughs) And so I kind of just kind of discouraged and I was like, ah, this is, I am never gonna make it. And I kind of gave up on myself on that, in that aspect. And so I thought, let me give PR a, a try because of the fact that when I was working at the news station in Gainesville, I worked with different PR people that would help facilitate the information that I would put on the news. I just thought, well, PR is the other end of journalism and, you know, journalists can't do their job without people in PR. So let me try that. I moved back home to Miami after, and I started my PR career working at a very small firm. It was called the Apple Organization. That's where I got my initial start in PR. How did you end up specializing in travel and hospitality PR? I accidentally ended up working for an agency that represented the Mexico Tourism Board. In fact, they recruited me because they had just won the account and it was a big government account. And so they needed someone that was bilingual and had some travel experience. And I had a little bit of travel experience from some of my past work. And so they took a chance on me. And how long were you working with those travel and tourist brands on the agency side? I spent seven, almost eight years on the agency side. I worked with IO Mexico, which was, you know, Mexican airline. I worked with Expedia, online tour operators. I worked with Avis, which at the time was uh, merging with budget rental car. And then I worked with the Mexico Tourism Board. I worked with the destination of Cancun, the Cancun Convention and Visitors Bureau. And I just, I, I really worked a lot with the hotels on the ground in Cancun because I rep the destination, right? So anytime I would bring journalists to Cancun, the destination, I'd have to reach out to the local hotels and see which one of them wanted to host them. And so I built these relationships with this brand. And that was how my chapter started working with Palace Resorts. They're a chain of luxury, all-inclusive resorts in Mexico and the Caribbean. Nice. Well, that sounds like an incredible experience. And I know that during this time, your home base was still Miami. When did you start thinking about moving to New York? I want to say three years into my role. I had this yearning to come to New York. I found myself coming here all the time for work. And I said to them, I really want to be in New York. Like, this is where I want to live. Like, I want to move there. And, you know, I was lucky. And they were like, okay, well, you can work remotely. When I moved to New York, I just knew that New York was going to open doors for me. I did feel like in Miami, I was very stagnant. 
slowly but surely, those opportunities did start to come my way where I had brands reach out to me and be like, hey, like, we know you do PR, like, do you do freelance work? I kind of started a consulting business on the side and it just grew. It grew. That was back in 2018. And after like maybe two years, I thought to myself, I'm onto something like without me even putting myself out there. I've had these little brands, big brands, contacts, friends of mine in the industry saying like, hey, are you picky, looking to pick up any freelance work? And so I thought to myself, if I'm getting this much traction without me even trying, imagine what would happen if I actually did. Wow. So can you walk me through how you officially launched your own agency? I established an LLC in 2018 is when I established it. And that's when I, you know, I started taking on client work on the side. I got the opportunity to start working with some beauty brands specifically with Kathleen Lights. She was launching her nail polish collection back in 2019. It got to a point where I was still, I still had my full-time job, but I had about three consulting clients on the side. That's when I was starting to feel the burnout. We all know what happened during COVID. You know, the travel industry was one of the most affected. At the end of 2021, the, the company did massive layoffs and I was part of those layoffs. And I always like to say I'm a big believer in manifestation, but I truly believe that I manifested that layoff because I had been toying with trying to leave that company for like two years. Wow. I was afraid of failing, afraid of failing and afraid of walking away from a steady paycheck. The universe just decided to rip the bandaid off for me and say, here you go. Based on your experience working for agencies and now as the founder of your own, what do you think are the biggest misconceptions about the PR industry? The misconceptions for PR is that, you know, a lot of people have seen a lot of sex in the city and they think that publicists are the Samantha Jones of the world and they're going into parties all the time and they've got, you know, the top social lights on speed dial on their phones and they can get you into any club or get you into any party or get you any hot reserva reservation at the newest restaurant. And sometimes that's the case, since, but most of the time it's not. The majority of my life, if you were to follow me around, is responding to emails, <laughs> you know, taking client calls, brainstorming with clients, helping them come up with unique ideas to drive some, you know, maybe new media attention to whatever product or brand they're working on, writing press releases, writing pitches. I call myself a professional follow-upper, right? Because <laughs> that's basically what I do is uh, reach out to media and pitch them an idea for a client and then wait for them to respond. And if they don't respond, you follow up and come up with a new angle. So um, yes, there is a lot of really amazing, fun things that you get to do as a publicist, as a result of whoever your clients are and the industry that you're in. But then um, the majority of the time is just a lot of brainstorming, computer work, writing, following up emails. So I would say that that's kind of like the biggest misconception. One of your clients is popular YouTube influencer, Kathleen Lights. What is it like working with Kathleen and what goes into creating successful campaigns for her brand, Lights Lacquer? Um, the funny thing is that I didn't know who Kathleen was until I started working with her. And when people told me, they're like, you don't watch Kathleen Lights? And I was like, I, don't, I never got into the YouTube era. Like, I guess I missed that part. We are both first gen Cuban Americans. Both of our parents came from Cuba. And yeah, we share that in common, but I really had absolutely no idea who she was. And I am a diehard Lights Lacquer fan now because I'm obsessed with nails and she actually has an amazing product, but she did have a big following before. And so 
you knew that the Kathleen Lights fans of the world were going to purchase her product because they just love her and they love to support her. But I think what's really amazing that Kathleen's been able to do is really tap into audiences that did not know who she was. She's very, very creative. And so she actually really makes my job very easy because we'll sit together and we'll, you know, we'll say, okay, what do we have on the marketing calendar for this year? Which collections are coming out and when? But what are the ones that are really going to stand out and how are we going to spin it? A lot of the collections that she's launched with are brands that people love. Earlier last year, she did um, a collaboration with Care Bears when they were celebrating their 40th anniversary. And like, that was just like so amazing. And then she did another collaboration with Friends, the TV show, which is one of her diehard favorite shows. So obviously she has an amazing team that works with content creators to make sure that people in the nail community have access to her products. We've been able to get amazing placements for her. The Today Show was literally one of our proudest moments to see them do um, a very big piece uh, during Hispanic Heritage Month on Latino-owned brands. And to see her nail polish on national TV, it was amazing. That's been the most unique part, right? When we put together these campaigns is like, how can we move the needle beyond? Okay, we've already been this now. How can we take it to the next level? Because if you've been following the Light Blacker brand, she's now gone beyond just nail polish. She now has uh, nail art tools. She has treatments. She has press-ons. She has lip glosses. I get such great feedback from editors all the time. And they're like, oh my God, we love Kathleen's polish. It's really so good. It doesn't chip. It's long lasting. And so it really does what it says it's going to do. And I think that in a very crowded market, that's very actually hard to find these days. What would you say are some of the biggest challenges that you faced in your career and how did you overcome them? That question hits home so much right now. (laughs) (laughs) I, you know, I am still very much a team of one. Um, I've been trying to be good about working with the different colleges and universities and trying to get some really great students to intern. Um, But at the end of the day, yes, I'm still very much a team of one. And it is, it's very stressful. It is very stressful. I'm not even going to sit here and sugarcoat it especially me that I was in a place where when I left the company that I was working with, I had a whole team. As a VP, you're kind of leading the team in terms of helping, making sure that they're putting together press placements and putting together a coverage report for the clients and updating our activity report. Because at the time, my client was the owner of the company and he wanted to know, well, what did you do this month from a PR perspective and putting together these coverage reports and making sure that every single department was happy with whatever we were doing. And I had a team that helped me execute that. And it was really great when you took some time off and put an out of office and said, I'm not checking emails, please contact this person and they will help you. That's been the challenge for me is there is no other person that can help you. (laughs) I am out of the office. And if it's an emergency, please text me. I think part of the journey has been like being honest with yourself, learning to say no to projects that, you know, you cannot, you know, right now I'm at a place where I am, I cannot take on any more work unless I start to hire someone. How do you manage your time and stay organized while working with multiple clients? And do you have any tips for others struggling to do the same? Depending on your personality, right? Like, I don't know if you're a big believer in horoscopes, but I am a cancer, a true cancer. I am very sensitive. I am very emotional. I put on this hard shell on the outside like the crab, uh, but very soft on the inside. But then I... I have a Capricorn moon and Capricorns are very, very structured. And I'm very type A when it comes to my business. I mean, I have agendas, I have recaps, I have timestamps, I have a calendar. If you have a time, if you book a time on my calendar, I expect for you to make that time. And if you don't, then I won't be able to talk to you until my next week. And I've had some amazing women that have 
helped me along the way. Um, one of my dear friends, Lisette, she's the founder of Chic Influence and she's amazing. And she's the one that taught me like, listen, you need to draw boundaries because otherwise you're not going to have time to do the work that you need to do for these people. And you're going to, you're going to burn yourself out. So I have a rule where I only take calls on certain days. That's the only way I can free up hours so I can actually deliver the work that I'm being paid to do. Right. Being an entrepreneur and going on this journey by yourself, you have to be so, so disciplined because otherwise you're just going to collapse. You're going to burn yourself to death. You're going to say yes to things that you know you cannot facilitate. And then I think to me, the, my worst nightmare is over-promising and under-delivering. That is my biggest nightmare. And that is why I've had to say no to, to things that have come my way recently because I don't ever want to be in a situation where someone recommends me and I say, yes, let's do it. And then I do not have the bandwidth to deliver quality results for them. And then my name is damaged and my reputation is damaged. And even though I might be stellar at what I do, maybe that person didn't have a stellar experience with me. And that's what they'll go and tell other people. So maintaining a good reputation is clearly important, as well as creating strong work-life boundaries. What other advice would you give to someone considering a career in PR? I would say build your network as much as possible. Um, not to say that this is not a career for introverts, because I know many introverts that are very successful in this industry, but I will say relationships are at the core of everything that we do. Even if you have an incredible client and you have, they have an amazing product and their story is worth telling, you're going to get what you need out of a journalist, a freelancer, an editor, a podcaster like yourself you're going to get their attention when you have relationships built. And I've, I've known this because I've been in the industry that long, but I have friends that work in the industry on the opposite end. I, I have friends that are freelancers and they tell me all the time, they get hundreds of pitches every single day from publicists they've never heard of about brands they've never heard of. What do they prioritize? Oh, I've got an email from someone that I know and respect and have a relationship with. They're going to prioritize those first, right? And again, getting in those inboxes and standing out has been literally such a challenge recently. But if you can build a solid relationship with five good freelancers, you're guaranteed to get your, your client good, solid placements because you're talking about a freelancer that might be working for six publications at a time. My advice is build those relationships, become familiar with the outlets that you're targeting and then become familiar with the people that are writing those stories. What best practices do you recommend for building and maintaining those relationships? Social media is a wonderful tool to be able to build those relationships. Believe it or not, there's a lot of editors and, and freelance writers that I've worked with that communicate in my inbox all the time that I have never met. Social media is a great place to start. Um, start following them on Instagram, become invested in their story, you know. Maybe they just recently had a baby. So shoot them an email and be like, hey, congratulations. You know, maybe send them a note, engage with them in the DMs. Like, oh, that looks delicious. Where's that from? You know what I mean? Even if they wrote about something that didn't include, include your client, like send them an article and be like, hey, loved your article about XYZ. Looking forward to working with you in the future. That's how you stand out in their inboxes these days. Mm -hmm. Is there anything PR professionals should avoid when building relationships with freelancers? Do not pitch in their DMs. That is the surefire way to piss them off. And a lot of them put that in their profiles, like no pitches in the DMs. The worst thing you can do is eight o'clock at night, you know, DM into an editor and be like, hey, did you see my email today? Like, no, 
On your website, I read that one of the services your agency provides is also crisis management. Mm -hmm. How do you help clients navigate social media crises and negative publicity? Yeah, so I, I have a lot of experience in managing crisis, specifically within the travel industry, from natural disasters to viruses, managing um, a negative image that people might have of you as a result of something, maybe a company policy that you have. But a couple of examples I'll give you. Mexico Tourism Board um, was one of my first clients in the travel industry when I was working on the agency side. I love their culture. I love their food. I love their history. And I love their hospitality. And like I said, I've, I've traveled to so many different places throughout the world. And nobody does service the way that you get service and hospitality in Mexico. They do it right. And so when I first started working with them, um, they had a really big like a negative image, right? With regards to safety and traveling to Mexico. And I think that it still might be around for a lot of people. People, you know, there's a misconception that Mexico is dangerous in certain parts of it. You should probably avoid. That was a big crisis that I had to deal with in the beginning is that we're out here selling and promoting how beautiful traveling to Mexico can be, how it's such an easy destination for Americans to get to. And then a couple of weeks later, we had like a bunch of stabbings and murders that took place right outside of Cancun, right? For many years, you would say, well, if you if you avoid, if you just stick to the tourist destinations, you're safe. You shouldn't have any problems. But then little by little, a lot of the crime started to cripple into the tourist destinations. Putting together a crisis plan on how to navigate when situations like that happen is so important. You have to be prepared because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what an incredible product you have and how incredible your hotel is. But if people literally fear going there, how do you change that misconception? And that's showcasing what you do to make sure that you're keeping them safe. What security measures does the hotel take? What security measures do guests have in place when they arrive from the moment that they are picked up from the airport? And a lot of the times it was kind of just explaining, yes, there was a shooting outside of Cancun. Well, do you know how many shootings there might have been last night in New York City? Wherever you travel to, you should exercise caution. You should use common sense. Pay attention to your surroundings. Try not to be by yourself. If you are by yourself and you're a solo traveler, like make sure you're taking the proper precautions. You're alerting your loved ones where you're going to be. Maybe there's some kind of tracking device. I mean, there's so many things that you could do, but crime in an area should not deter you from traveling there because there's crime in your own backyard. I feel like a lot of people don't automatically correlate crisis management with PR, but it's such an impactful service that every business should consider to prepare for the unexpected because you just really never know what could happen. Absolutely. And I think that we're in control of where we spend our money. And if you don't like the culture or what a company stands for, for whatever it may be, you don't have to spend their money. And I think that that's the most powerful thing about us as consumers now. And brands can find themselves in situations where they might be accused of being maybe racist because they didn't execute a campaign correctly. Let's use Balenciaga as an example right now. <laughs> I mean, they've, they've had a position or a PR position listed immediately and it's, it's on LinkedIn. I see it all the time and I'm like, man, they have not been able to fill that position. Nobody wants to touch that, but let's use Balenciaga as an example. Like as someone that worked on the agency side, there's no way that they executed that campaign without a client approval. And so the way that they managed their communication after, and they're like, oh, we didn't know that they were going to put that out. Like that was terrible crisis communication because 
you did know because someone had to sign off on it. An agency would not execute. I would never put out anything that Kathleen has not approved, that I haven't gotten the green light from her team. I mean, you just, as an agency, you don't put that responsibility on yourself. So that's a big lesson in crisis communications is I think that when a company does make a mistake, you need to own up to it. Companies are not run by robots. They are run by humans and humans make mistakes and humans sometimes have bad, you know, judge of character and the mistakes are going to happen. But I think the important thing in a crisis is not so much avoiding a crisis, but it's in how you handle it. Very true. How would you describe your first full year as an agency owner? And what are you looking forward to in the next few years? You know, I, I, I think that year one was, I don't want to call it survival mode, but it was kind of like get into my flow mode. I had some goals for myself in terms of clients that I wanted to, you know, work with and and numbers that I wanted to reach, right? Because at the end of the day, we're we're all in business to be profitable and make money. But the more that I spend running my own business, the more I appreciate um, being selective with the clients that I work on. And I feel like I've been so excited to be able to work with brands that I'm passionate about and companies that are doing really cool things in the space and being able to say no to things that, that I don't resonate with have been like one of the best things. I know that at some point I'm going to need to hire some help because I know that it's impossible to grow without it growing your team. I have a big uh, trust issues. <laughs> <laughs> and have difficulty letting go because I think that when you're, you know, it's like you with your podcast, it's your baby. It's like you have this way of doing things and you want to make sure that it's always done to your standards. And I have difficulty with letting things go because it's no longer someone else's business. It's it's my business and it's my name on the line. So I'm working on that. <laughs> I'm working through those trust issues and I really want to uh, try to hire someone part-time that can help me grow because I really want to take on some more travel clients this year. That's, you know, where I am passionate about. That's what I love the most. And that's where I thrive. That's exciting growth, though. Like, it must feel rewarding that in just a few years, you're already in a position where you have a need to expand your business. It is. It is. But it's 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 also scary, right? Because I think, and that also comes from our first generation struggle mindset, is that you want to try to hold on to as much as your money as possible because there's this, there's this, like, I don't know. We always, I, I didn't grow up with a wealthy family. Like, right. My parents were just two people that worked really, really hard to make us feel like money was never a problem. But I think that there's like the scarcity mindset specifically among first gen immigrant children, where it's like, you want to hold on to it as much as possible. And it's like, well, well why pay someone else to do this? Well, I could just do it myself. And, you know, and so, but that's also not healthy too. And I'm learning to understand that, you know, in order to grow, you have to grow, you have to grow your team. I know you also do a bit of mentoring with young professionals. Can you tell me more about that? That part has really been really fulfilling for me. I love getting these interns that are in school and really looking to get into PR and social media and give them what I didn't have. Because when I was in school, mentorship wasn't a huge thing. It was kind of like, you could ask for advice here and there, but it wasn't, I wish I had someone that had been in my shoes and could guide me and say, don't do this, do that. And I think it's so beneficial when you can have someone that looks like you and has had your same experiences that can help guide you. And so I really enjoy mentoring 
That's amazing. Well, Ceci, I feel like you've provided so much good advice throughout the episode already, but I like to close out each episode by asking our guests to provide a few words of wisdom. So what is your biggest piece of advice for founders and entrepreneurs looking to start something on their own? Go after something that you're passionate about. Everybody says that, right? Find something that you're passionate about. And it's like such a jaded statement, but it's true. You are going to thrive and you're going to enjoy what you do every single day if you are in an industry that you're passionate about. And even then, that doesn't mean that every day is going to be a walk in the park. I mean, there are days that I'm like, oh my God, this today was a hard day. Wow. How did I navigate this situation? And so even when you work in the industry that you're passionate about and that you're good at, not every day is beautiful, which is why it's even more important to go for something that you're passionate about because you're not going to give it your all. You're not going to throw your grit and your passion and your extra time that is going to take you to be successful into something that you're not really excited about. Do you have any tips for finding that passion and getting set up for success as a business owner? I think that for so many people, it, it, it's hard to discover what you're passionate about, especially when you're still in school. When I was a kid, I was always getting in trouble. My reports would come and they'd be like, teacher would be like, Sessie talks too much. Like she's too, she's too busy socializing and she's not doing the work. And it's like, don't ignore those things that people see in you at an early age because they could be the things that propel mm-hmm. you. You're like, actually, I'm networking and building relationships. <laughs> yes. And I did not know that in fifth grade when I was getting in trouble all the time because I couldn't stop talking. But, you know, don't ignore those things because those are the things that you you're going to be successful at. And and do not sleep on getting yourself financially organized. And if you're going to launch a business, you need to be able to either hire someone that knows how to run the business end of it and numbers and finances and making sure you're profitable and that you have money saved for a rainy day, or you need to teach yourself how to do it. Great advice, Sessie. And thanks so much for joining me on the podcast. Where can listeners keep up with you online and on social media? So my website is sessiec.com. That's C-E-S-S-I-E-C.com. And my handles, Instagram and Twitter are the same at sessiec. And then you can find me on LinkedIn, Sessie Serrato. Thank you so much to Sessie for joining me on the podcast. And thank you to everyone listening. I hope you join me next week for a new episode of Office Chats.